My name is BJ. First started really attending this the church um, after I moved from North Virginia. The area had become a, um, a lot more expensive to live in. After I moved, starting over or um, looking for a job, came across a seasonal job at. Um, it's the D. Evergreen um, College. What I didn't realize at the time was that God was actually pre financially preparing for a COVID quarantine that I didn't realize was coming. I wouldn't have believed it if I heard, it, heard, it, heard of it um, at that time. Um, eventually, the night shift was canceled. I was laid off among other people, which uh, convinced me to get into uh, social security, food stamps, so that my needs were actually met while I was searching. A few moments after I finally it's, uh, it's got into to that program, COVID hit. That's, that's how I knew that this guy was actually preparing me. He was leading me to stay in there despite the fact that I would get laid off. So I would get into the social security program in time for COVID. One verse that's really got me through, it's uh, Romans um, 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I had to look back on it to realize what God was doing for me at that time. Trust God and follow His guidance. For me, that for me, things always work out if I trust and follow God. Man, thank you, BJ, for sharing. I love how he went to the scripture and hung on to something that is eternal and timeless in the midst of the ups and downs that we're living in today. And I hope that you have a scripture that you hang on to in your life. Um, you know, if you're a person who follows Jesus and is a Bible-believing person, then there's got to be some scriptures you go, this grounds me, this centers me, this carries me, this anchors my soul in the midst of whatever I'm facing today. So uh, brilliant thought and trusting God. And a lot of you are going through, uh, you know, a lot of job situations right now. We are praying constantly for a lot of people. And if you do have that, please let us know so we can be praying for your situation as well. I was thinking about uh, trusting God with finances. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I got my first job and um, I was paid $4.25 an hour. I'm not old. I know that sounds old. Okay. But just talk to the old person next to you. They made like a 50 cents an hour. All right. So they'll tell you that story. But I, I fed horses, cleaned horses, um, you know, cleaned their stalls, watered horses, put blankets on horses. And I did it for four hours a week, sometimes eight hours a week. But I remember making uh, $4.25 at four hours. I made uh, $17 and I would come to church and I put $1.70 in the offering. And how important that was. I don't think that job had anything to with me, you know, to do with me like buying the latest like, you know, music CD of the day in those days. I think it was all about me learning to trust God, um, because the Scripture says if you're faithful with the little things, He'll trust you with bigger things. Um, in fact, the Scripture actually says, you know, how can God, if God can trust you with uh, little riches, He can actually give you much more. And so since I made 425, I'm prepared for the millions I'm going to make as a TV preacher someday. So, 
But wherever you're at with that, be faithful to the Lord with what he's entrusted to you and give to God. And, um, you know, I, there's a lot of things you can't control in the world, but you can control if you're honoring God with your money. Uh, that's your decision. And so I challenge you and encourage you to do that, and I pray blessings upon you. In fact, I want to just pray for you right now. Just pray for your finances. Lord, we ask for health in so many ways. Mostly, God, spiritual health. And then, God, just actually health in our bodies. But I pray, Lord, also that we would have financial health, that we would not be people who live in debt, uh, that we would not be people, God, who make poor decisions or don't honor you with our money. God, help this church today to be resilient and have the favor and blessing of God in our lives. And, Lord, we want to put you first and just see the blessings flow. So, God, as a pastor, I just pray courage over your church to, to trust you, to give to your work, to the ministry. And then, God, just to see um, both the ministry and our lives flourish because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There is this night coming up. I want to talk about it for just a moment. Uh, this Friday night is a worship night. Uh, Alex mentioned it in the video. And we're doing something really unique this Friday at 7 o'clock. It's a, it's a worship night, so you can come in and just linger in worship. But there's four areas that we're going to stop during this time. We're calling it worship and healing. And not everybody still prays for healing in the world today. I mean, I know friends that are believers in Jesus, and they're like, well, God did healings in the old days, but now we're just kind of riding this thing out. And I understand when you pray a lot and you don't see all the answers you want, how people can kind of turn to that kind of theology. You're in a church, you're watching a church that believes that God still heals and does miracles and powerful things today. And um, man, if I look back upon my life, um, first of all, that I'm still alive. Second of all, I'm serving Jesus. Third of all, that he chose me to serve as a pastor. There's a lot of miracles that go into my life. Um, But this Friday night is going to be really special, really unique, because we're going to stop and we're going to pray for those who are fighting cancer and um, diseases in their lives. And it's going to be a powerful time as we stop and we do that during this time of worship. Uh, Then after that, we're going to stop and we're going to pray a couple, you know, maybe a few songs later about those fighting for mental health in your certain situation and those with physical needs in their bodies, which is probably most of us. Uh, And then then finally with relationships and especially marriage, we're going to pray for all those things and pray for healing. Invite you to come to the altar. There'll just be an atmosphere of worship the whole, I don't know, 90 minutes, whatever it turns out to be. And it's just a time of worship and waiting on God and listening for God's voice and praying for healing. Uh, It's a dangerous place to be because there's going to be a lot of faith-filled people looking forward to Friday nights. So if you know someone, you're like, honestly, I have a friend that would love that. Love to just come and spend some time in God's presence. Listen, uh, when I pray for healing, I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Did you hear that? I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Now listen, God saved my soul. If he doesn't do a single thing for me the rest of my life, I'm going to heaven. I'm okay with that. But I'm going to give him every opportunity to still work miracles in my life. And so on Friday night, 7 o'clock, right here, bring someone with you if you want to come. I think it's going to be a special time uh, in our church life, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to invite a friend to come join me out here. Adelie is going to come um, jump up here with me for real quick. And uh, you can welcome her as she comes out here if you would, mine. So, Adelie, you have a microphone. Good. I got them. Awesome. You uh, and Gabriel came to our church in April. Was it April? So tell us a little bit about yourself here because people have seen you up here helping out with worship. But who's, who's Adelie and Gabriel? Tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah. So, hi. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Adelie. This is my husband, Gabriel. Um, he plays electric often. He's pretty quiet, but he's my best friend. And um, we moved here a year ago yesterday um, for the military because my husband is a sergeant in the Army. And so we're stationed at JBLM, Um, but we met in middle school, and God did a lot of wonderful things in us after we got out of high school, (laughs) 
to bring us together. And um, yeah, we've got to start this journey together. This is year one of our marriage. So we've had a lot of firsts this year. Um, but yeah, we came. You had your first year of marriage during COVID. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't as bad as you might think. Did you have a real, did you have a real wedding? We did. Awesome. Actually, we had the most miraculous wedding. We had, so a year-long engagement, not intended that way, but it turned into a year-long. We changed our date three times, and then um, he was stuck in Germany and almost wasn't able to come home in time for our wedding. We thought we were getting married in September at that point. Um, but two weeks before our wedding, he's like, babe, I got the call. I can come home. So we planned a wedding in two weeks, and it was one of the most beautiful days I've ever experienced in my life. It was did totally Did you have hard. a dress story or something Oh, like I did, that. Yeah. yeah. Tell us that story. So um, when I got engaged, that week we got engaged, I got this email from a lady who's in the military, and she was sent, telling me about this program called Brides Across America, and it's intended for any service members, either local service members or military service members, so if this applies to you, listen up. <laughs> um, twice a year, they have an event nationwide where different boutiques will open up their doors for women that are getting married, and you'll pay a $40 entrance fee, and you walk away with a free dress. And so I actually found my dress in Renton. <laughs> my parents and I flew up. We found my dress. It was the most beautiful thing. I'd already tried on like 40 dresses and I put this one on and I cried because I was like, this, I'm going to marry my best friend in this dress. Uh, <laughs> so, and it was really $40. Girl, you know what I mean? Only $40. Wow. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> so you guys came from Idaho to, mm -hmm. you know, Western Washington. We're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of Western Washington people saying, heck, I'm out of here. I'm going to Idaho. So you did the opposite thing. We did thing. the opposite, which works out because it's getting a little crowded in Idaho right now. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's been nice. It's been such a beautiful season. We, again, our first year of marriage, about nine months of that was just us being alone in our house. And if you're married, you know how great of a blessing that is, <laughs> especially yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but then we got to this point where we were like, man, we're really feeling a need for fellowship. You know, the Bible says don't forsake the blessing of the, the brotherhood and mm -hmm. the fellowship of Christians. And mm -hmm. we were like, we don't want to get used to being outside of fellowship. Mm -hmm. So we need to start looking and we tried a few places. Can you just look in the camera and oh, say yes. that one more time? We don't want to get used to being out we of fellowship. We do not want to get used not to being out of fellowship. Not that you don't have friends and family everywhere at home. <laughs> yeah, but just, oh, no. I miss you. Okay, all yeah, right, good. Yeah, there's something beautiful yeah. about being challenged by people who are walking through very similar things. And I think the biggest lie the enemy can say is that you're alone because it's not true. Everybody has walked through situations that are similar. And so we were like, well, we got to find a place. Yeah. And we had tried different areas. I'd never heard of True Grace. And I had looked online so many times. Like, I don't know what God was doing, but he had a timing for it all. And Gabriel, actually, the morning of church was like, hey, I found this new church. Can we go try it? And I was like, all right, sure, let's go. And we walked in, and I'm not joking. My husband had two years in Germany, barely any church service that was like encouraging for him. Mm -hmm. And he walked into these doors and instantly was like, this is where we're supposed to be. Like mm -hmm. there was just a peace and a like, yes, this is our place. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the way I remember quick. it, I think it was your second week here. Mm -hmm. So our team had really lost a ton of people because of COVID um, in kids ministry and the music team needed a lot of help. And so I stood right here at the end of service in April and I said, if anybody here has a, you know, a gift in music ministry and we don't know about you, would you let me know? And you and Gabriel came up at the end of service and you're like, well, we, we've kind of been involved. And I had low <laughs> expectations. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, oh, you probably sing in the shower and you think you sound amazing. <laughs> But I'll send you to the team and we'll find out. 
And then she came up front, and I was like, whoa, my goodness, this, this woman's got talent. This couple is amazing. And so staff's kind of fallen in love with you guys. And she just came on staff in a part-time capacity this last two weeks ago. And we're just going to see where it leads. Yeah, yeah. So just super, super excited and so thankful to have you guys here. You know, churches love to have young couples who are vibrant, excited, faith-filled, and with your gift towards the, the staff and the church and worship. Um, I wanted her to take this time just to greet you because we are very, very excited about who uh, God, she is, and you guys really are an answer to prayer. Thank you. Yeah, yeah awesome. No, Can you just awesome. thank her? <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to invite my friend to come up here. Pastor Dave is preaching this weekend. We are both big Seahawks fans. I wore the jersey and Dave didn't. So, Dave, come on up here. Let's just appreciate Pastor Dave for all that he does around here. He makes this place a friendly place. Thank you, Peter. Well, good morning, church family. Let me take a moment to see you. Because it is good to see you. You're looking good. Turn to the person next to you, give them an air high five, and tell them that's from me, all right? Because I'm really excited that you are here. Those who are participating online, hey, it's good to be seen by you. I also want to give a shout-out, man, to all my homies in Softer Sunday. Man, thank you for being here. Well, I have a, a confession to make to you today, and that is that I am trying to eat healthier. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Really? Can't tell, Dave. <laughs> but I, I, at least I think I am, all right? But I know the people who are closest to me know that I am a foodie all the way. But in all seriousness, at my age, I am trying to eat healthier, and I want my wife to think I'm sexy. <laughs> so those are the two main motivations for uh, more nutritional eating, but it's hard. I have one guilty pleasure. Okay, I'm in church, uh, several of them, uh, but, but I have one main guilty pleasure, and that is cinnamon rolls. Don't judge me. I only eat cinnamon rolls on two occasions, when it's my birthday and when it is not. Cinnamon rolls, man. You know what I'm talking about? When that cream cheese frosting oozes over on the side when you heat it up. With lots of uh, brown sugar, tons of cinnamon, melted butter. Oh, come on. Do we have a picture of that? No? Oh. They're blocking it so you don't lust after cinnamon rolls today, all right? But I'm telling you, man, that's God's provision right there, friends. Whoever invented the cinnamon rolls deserves a hug. So it's not only hard for me to eat healthier because I like cinnamon rolls, but it's also harder for me to eat healthier because I'm not sure what is healthy. I'm a little bit lost and confused about what is good for me. Like years ago, they came out with margarine is better for you than real butter. Huh. My mom, I remember, she brought home this yellow tub full of fake butter. I'm telling you, man, the stuff did not taste any better. 
And then later on, they came out with saying, hey, real butter is better for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. Growing up in the Guernsey household, uh, one of our nutritional breakfast cereals consisted of raisin bran. The term bran automatically made my mom think that all of us kids were eating healthy. But have you looked to see how many grams of sugar in raisin bran? It turns out that that those two scoops of former fruit are actually caked with refined sugar, like 18 grams of it. And then they came out with saying that bacon is bad for you because pigs don't sweat. Now let that sink in for a moment. We are eating their toxins. So people began to start eating turkey bacon. Oh, turkey bacon. That's like eating a bad fruit roll-up, man. That's disgusting. Stuff. And so then later on, they come out with saying, well, bacon is good fat. So guess what, friends? We can now eat real butter and real bacon and feel pretty good about ourselves. Hey, I'm all for that. Well, friends, if we are confused about what is good for our physical bodies, how much more confused are we about what is good for our soul? Because, man, we see plenty of things in this world and ourselves that are not right. And every one of us here in this room, we all have our fair share of flaws and struggles and uh, insufficiencies, except for my wife. (laughs) You know, it's relatively easy to measure and analyze the outside of us. But what about the inside of us, our souls? How do we know if we're soul healthy? How do we become soul healthy? How do we stay soul healthy? I believe God's word says our souls can be healthy only when we are at home with God, return to God, and find our purpose in God. The creator himself has given us a handbook for a healthy soul. It's called the Bible. When we look at what the Bible says about the conditions God originally created for the human soul, we discover a blueprint and a plan to achieve actually soul health. Here's a thought for us today. Even when our outside environments aren't particularly healthy or stable, if we are healthy on the inside, we can conquer adversity. When God designed the soul, evil did not exist. Selfishness did not exist. Humanity enjoyed a sinless, flawless, perfect environment. That is not true anymore, in case you haven't noticed. Babies do not spring from the mother's womb thinking, I just want to love, I just want to serve, I just want to give. Oh, quite the opposite. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because their first few words out of their mouth come something like this. No, mine, give me, now. And oftentimes in that order, and at deafening decibel levels to boot. Everywhere we look, we see the effects of evil, wars, genocide, racism, terrorism, greed, and destruction. While government and military forces try to limit evil, they can't eradicate it because it springs from within us. Sorry to sound so negative today. It's going to get better. But it's essential that we understand that sin was not part of God's creation. Why? 
Because if we try to apply these four elements to our souls, and I'm going to give you here in just a moment, without dealing with the sin issue, it won't work. Our souls will be lifeless and empty because the most important thing we can do for a healthy soul is to come into a relationship with the living God. It is clear throughout human history that we have never been able to solve the sin problem on our own or to achieve right standing with God based on our performance. And that is why God sent Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, says, God put the wrong on him, referring to Jesus, who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. And this is important as we relate to God from a place of forgiveness and acceptance through Jesus because then we can apply these four elements to our lives and when we do, we will experience the health that God has given our souls. So, we see the first element of a healthy environment in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 through 9. If you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can turn there if you want with me. It's also going to be up here on the screen. Verse 7 describes the creation of humanity this way. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the, of the, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. So the first thing that God wants us to know about the original environment is that the trees were beautiful and that they had delicious fruit. Now, I want us to consider what God is saying here because it can seem so arbitrary, but it's not. Because God is sending actually a message to us of what we need for our souls. So point number one, and you have maybe the notes that you were given as you came in today. Our souls need rest. Our souls need rest. They need relaxation. They need enjoyment. They need peace, which we talked a lot about and sing about today, and pleasure. Peace or or, or rest is actually about enjoying God. It's about enjoying life, enjoying nature, good friends, good food, like cinnamon rolls. Come on. It's really about rest, and rest is what God wants for your life and mine. Rest is really about enjoying who God is and what he has created for us. Years ago when I was pastoring a church in Yakima, I was out bird hunting with who was at that time the superintendent of the Northwest Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. And as a young pastor just starting out, I I was just asking, what advice would you give to a pastor just starting out? And I'll never forget, one of the things he said to me is, Dave, when you take vacation, make sure you take two weeks and not one. He said it will take you the first week just to unwind from the pressures of ministry. It is the second week where you actually decompress and get your best rest. And you know, I found that to be true. God reminds us how imperative rest and enjoyment is for our souls. And the first description we get of the garden is that the foliage is fun to look at and the food is amazing. 
Now, why is rest first? Why did I say rest is point number one? Rest is first is because God is first. Now, let me explain that. A restless soul is a soul that thinks it is in control and needs to take care of everything. If we do not rest, then we are trying to be our own God. And we, friends, need to realize that even when we rest, we need to remember that God doesn't. When we sleep, God doesn't. When we cease from working, God doesn't. Worry comes from thinking we are in control. True rest is unattainable for people who are obsessed with leading their own lives. But here's the good news. But we who know Jesus can rest because we know that our God is in control and and who is taking care of us. One of the most spiritual things that you can do today is make a new friend or to contact an old friend and go get some good food, cinnamon roll, something. And just take time to laugh about life. We need that now more than ever before. We need to take time just to consider the goodness of God in our lives. That's big, friends. But we can lean into God and trust that he is really looking out for you and I. The second thing our soul needs is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. In other words, our souls need responsibility. Our souls need responsibility. Now, this may be shocking to some people because there are a segment of people who believe that work was the result of sin. They think that God gave Adam a job as a punishment because he messed up. But yet, if you look at verse Chapter, or chapter 2, verse 15, sin hadn't entered the garden yet. This was still a sin-free environment. And yet in that sin-free environment, God had an assignment for Adam. He had a job. Adam had something he was required to do, and God created humans to bear responsibility. The Hebrew word translated work here also can be called serve. And often when we think of serving, we think of it in terms of sacrifice, and at times it can be. But listen to what I'm about to say here. But serving actually benefits the one serving the most. But serving actually benefits the one serving the most. Serving makes your soul feel good. It makes you feel alive on the inside. Our souls find fulfillment, health, and life when we live beyond ourselves. Responsibility is good for the soul. Sometimes we equate a lack of responsibility with living free. But that's not freedom. And the reason is, is because that's not how our souls operate. Our souls need assignment. They need work. They need activity. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. When I was a kid, my dad had something he used to say to me often, and it was this. With privilege comes responsibility. Say it with me. With privilege comes comes responsibility. In other words, I don't get the privilege that I want until I take the responsibility that he has given to me, and that responsibility would always come in the form of either assignment, a work, or an activity. So he would say, okay, you do this first, and then you'll get the privilege of doing what you want to do with my permission, of course. 
Our souls need responsibility to be healthy. And there's a good chance that responsibility is looking you right in the face, right in front of you. The third thing our soul needs is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. It says this, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now think about how many trees were in that garden. There was probably hundreds, if not thousands, of trees in that garden. And Adam and Eve could eat from every one of them except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now think about that. Because God was not trying to be unreasonable. The odds were actually stacked in their favor. God wasn't even trying to trap them. God wasn't trying to give them impossible commands. And then when they failed, laugh about it. No, not at all. It was a tree that brought the knowledge of right and wrong and good and bad. Now, you might be saying this question. You might have asked yourself this. Why didn't God leave that tree out of the garden? Have you ever thought about that? Why didn't God leave that tree out of the garden? First, without that tree, we lose our definition of love. Because love requires free will. And if there's no choice in love, then it isn't love. See, friends, every single one of us have a choice that we either reject or accept God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be love and it wouldn't be free will. But I want to focus, however, on another reason I believe that God put that tree in the garden. And that is this. Number three, point number three is our souls need restraint. Restriction and restraint are necessary for the health of our soul. Sometimes as parents, we say no to our kids because no is what is needed. They need the limits. They need the restraints. An evangelist friend of mine told me this story, and I'll never, ever forget it. He said, Dave, there was a young man who was on death row. And before his day of execution, this young man said, I would like to have my mother come and visit me one last time. So his mom came in, and, and the officer let this young man, who's about ready to be executed, hug his mom. And when he did, he bit her in the ear. And she stepped back, and she said, what would you do that for? He said, that's for never disciplining me and never teaching me how to restrain myself. Our souls need restraint. A child who never hears no becomes that kid. And we all know that kid. And that kid can grow up to become that man or that woman. A soul, a a person without restraint, friends, is not a healthy soul. A soul without restraint is unhealthy. And the results are obvious to all of those that are around And I believe that God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden there because when Adam and Eve walked by, the limitations were good for their soul. It was good to say, I can, but I won't, and that's good for me. Unfortunately, they didn't. My parents had no trouble holding out the no card for me, my twin brother, my twin sisters, and the sister in between. And I've held out that same no card for my kids. 
Guess what maturity is all about? Guess what parenting is all about? It's leading our kids to a place where they will say no for themselves even when they want to say yes. And that's the challenge because that's self-imposed restraint. But that's really maturity in a nutshell. And I want to say this. Let's never underestimate how significant a no is for the health of our soul. When my wife Sharon was in college, she did a report on Maria Montessori and then observed a Montessori school. Montessori's belief was that children were at their optimal educational environment when they had freedom within limits. Think about that, friends. Freedom within limits. That would be the Garden of Eden. And that's really where our soul is at its best. God designed restrictions and limitations as a blessing for our soul. And you and I are not God. We need the restraints. We need checks and balances. So the soul needs rest. The soul needs responsibility. The soul needs restraint. But it would all fall flat, friends, if we miss the last need for our soul. And that is this. The soul needs relationship. Our souls need relationship. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. In other words, Adam's soul was perfect. But it was not healthy for it to be alone. And not only that, but God actually provided companionship and relationship for Adam. You see, friends, we are by nature relational beings. You and I were meant for community. And guess what? By the way, this is your lucky day. Because here at True Grace, we don't just talk about it. We don't just preach about it. But we actually provide small communities that we call life groups. And when you join a life group, you get to grow with other people who are moving in the same direction as you. And you get to build these Incredible and meaningful relationships. So I just want to say for a moment, give you a little plug, stop by the life group table after the gathering and join a life group. You will be glad you did. Even the most introverted, solitary personality types need at least some level of human interaction in order to maintain healthy, thriving, vibrant souls. Now please listen to what I'm about to say. It is unhealthy for your soul to be isolated or without relationship. Let me say that again. It is unhealthy for your soul to be isolated or without relationship. That is crucial. Yes, we need rest. Yes, we need responsibility. Yes, we need restraint. But more than anything, we need relationship. So here are my questions and my appeal to you as we talk about a healthy soul. Are you intentional about your friends? Are they helpful to you? Choose friends intentionally, carefully, and prayerfully. You become who you hang around with. You show me your friends, and I'll show you the state of your soul. Because these are the ones that are feeding you from the inside. Are they giving you life? Or are they sucking life out of you? Are they serving or are they only taking? 
Are they building you up or tearing you down? Are they healing or hurting your soul? Are you providing for the needs of their souls? Because a healthy relationship is a two-way street. It's time to bring this ship to the shore, and this is what I'm going to say in closing. Consider carefully the relationships in your life. Who are you letting speak into your life? Be careful and intentional about that. And let God lead you to the people that you do life with. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just to remove all distractions. We're just going to let Jesus speak to us. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I can tell you right now, Dave, my soul is not in a healthy place. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14 says, A healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when the spirit is crushed? What can you do when the spirit is crushed? What can you do when the inside of you is broken and unhealthy? Go to the originator and designer of your soul. Go to the one who gave you breath to begin with and say, Oh God, I'm starting over. I need to reboot. I want to be healthy to my core. God will help you. He'll give you rest. He'll guide you into appropriate responsibilities. He will surround you with safe restraints. And he'll provide relationships that fit and friends who will help you navigate through the twists and turns of life. We may not always know what diet plan to follow for healthy bodies, but we do have a guide to healthy souls. And as we intentionally and regularly follow God's plan, our souls will be free to thrive. I believe the reason many people express a feeling that something isn't right, that something is missing, is because their souls yearn for a closeness with God, a closeness that cannot be satisfied until they return to the one who created them. The great King Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes 3.11, says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time, and he has planted eternity into the human heart. In other words, your soul will never be complete until it finds its eternal home in God. You were made for heaven and heaven was made for you. Who is the source of ultimate fulfillment? How can you navigate this unpredictable and often painful life? The answer is God who reveals his love and grace towards us through his son Jesus. He is our hope. He is health for your soul. And my encouragement is come home to him. Come home to him. How many of you, by an upraised hand, would say, I want to invite Jesus to be the leader of my life? I've tried to be the leader of my own life, and it's not working for me. And today, you want to trade up for a better life that you will have with him than without him. And you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And you would say, Jesus, I'm in need of a Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. If that is you, man, would you slip up your hand and say, I know, I really, yes, I will never have a healthy soul without Jesus. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Just appreciate your transparency. I appreciate you just being real and raw before God because he already knows. But there's a certain type of humility just to saying, yeah, Jesus, 
this is where I'm at. And the cool thing is Jesus wants us just to come to him as we are, not as we ought to be. Is there anyone else that you would say, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for those who are saying yes to you today. We know that this is the most important decision they will ever make. And I pray that no matter what comes their way, that they would keep you first and foremost in their life. In doing so, I pray that they would keep their soul in good health because everything that matters starts with inside us. And we thank you for loving us enough to zero in on our life where we are saying, yes, I'm responding to the nudge and I'm saying yes to Jesus. And Lord, we celebrate that. We honor that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, what I'd like us to do for a moment, I, 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 have to, I just love doing this because I think it's just important. I, I, can we take a moment just to applaud all of those that raised their hand and said yes to Jesus? Can we do that? Yes. Yes. Sometimes it can be a little challenge to find things to celebrate in life. And that's, that's, the, that's one to celebrate. Because even in heaven, they said that they're celebrating. They're putting the party hats on. And they're throwing a party even if one person, and there was more than one person that said yes to Jesus. So why can't we party along with them in heaven? Yeah. If you just said yes to Jesus, I, I want to invite you to stop by the guest services uh, straight out these double doors after the gathering we have a little book that we'd like to give you called Why Jesus that will help you get started on your journey with him would you join me in standing friends I want to remind you of this that Jesus really 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 loves you he loves you with an enduring love a love that does not fade a love does not shift. In fact, he loves to love you. Isn't that good news? Absolutely. Thank you so much again for being here today. I hope you have a fantastic week. Let's love God, love people, and serve the world. God bless you.